0: A fortnight ago, the Farming and Wildlife Advisory Group held their annual award ceremony recognising the best in wildlife friendly farming. Simon Clarke interviewed winners, judges, and organisers and began by talking to Sir John Lorimer.
1: I thought they did brilliantly, and it was just really interesting to see the variety of farms that they had visit, visited, visited during the, uh, uh, the judging phase uh, and also the different initiatives, each of the farms was sort of uh, uh, we're looking at to sort of combine, you know, the, the farming, that there's a production side with a conservation side. I thought it was really impressive. Looking at it, across every segment of the sort of uh, the countryside and how it impacts on their individual farm, where they live, but also the, the wider island. And I think that, that was uh, highlighted uh, often today. Last year, we were judges. We weren't this year, and I've, I've kind of put in as a bid, <laughs> request to be a judge again next, next year, because uh, we learned so much. It was a real privilege to be able to go around the farms, and I know that the judges this year found the same, but go, and you learn so much from people who, who are all doing an incredible job, as I said, bringing in all these initiatives and really trying to make the best. And um, no, we're, we're very keen to remain involved uh, with uh, all aspects of the, sort of, uh, of the sort of farming community.
0: Well, Liz Charter, yeah, you were on the judging panel. Uh, more was More from the wildlife side of things?
2: Yes, I'm an ecologist, mm-hmm. conservationist, although my family had a farm years and years back. My grandparents had a farm, but it's fantastic for me as an ecologist to get onto people's farms and see what they've got.
0: I suppose uh, that put you in good stead for it, really, because you could wear both hats when you've seen it from both sides.
2: Yeah, that's true, mm. yes. But it's really rather fantastic to be able to share with the farmers their knowledge of their farms as well, because you know they, they know what they've got, the swallows coming in and out of the barn doors or the, the curlews roosting at the top of the, the fields. Um, they can tell you so much about what's on their land.
0: Well, you'll have seen it on-island and off-island. How do we compare?
2: Oh, that's an unfair question. <laughs> because if you've been on the island as long as I have, which is more than 25 years now, I mean, you're biased towards the island, aren't you? <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's different. But, but then even parts of the island are different. What you see up in the north is so different from what you see up in the hills. It's, it's so varied here. Mm. Um, we don't have the huge... Seabird numbers that you get in parts of Britain. and uh, you know, I was over at Haysham, just got off the ferry, big, big numbers of roosting knots and things. But, but over here you've got things on a different scale because it's a smaller island. So. What I think would be good is if we could get a better handle on what's on some of the bigger commercial farms because I think it's important to understand the relationship between the wildlife and the farming practices. And the more we understand about that, the better we can accommodate the wildlife. Um, At the moment, I think some of the species are just hanging on. I'm involved in a tree sparrow project, for example, and the tree sparrows are really only just hanging on. There's something about our farming that we've lost that was the support for tree sparrows, not house sparrows. We'd find for house sparrows chattering away in bushes, but tree sparrows are a little bit different. And we must find out what it is that, that we do on farms that would help them. And uh, the Wildlife Trust has a project officer looking at that at the moment, and I've been on that committee. So I'm interested in the things that are on the edge as well as the things that are doing well.
0: Well, Will Kane, let's get a chat with you, uh, Derek and Jane and yourselves. So, uh, congratulations, you've won the long term commitment to habitat management uh, at the award ceremony. Um, how's that feel? Feels great, yeah. It's not um, not really down to me. Mum and Dad came down to Glendown 30, 40 years ago, and it's through them mainly that everything's been done. Dad um, Dad decided to dig out a pond and plant some trees, and it's only now. Thirty years later, that it started to come through, and that's what the uh, award is for. I suppose people think of this as quite a modern thing, but uh, as you're saying there, it was stemming back to the start of it many years back. Yeah, yeah. Most of it is done through through enjoyment for the farmer, not just for the uh, Agri Environment Scheme or anything like that. It's for the farmer's enjoyment. They enjoy seeing the um, uh, the animals, all the birds, the bees. It's yeah. It's not just farming; it's looking after the environment too. Yeah, and when you look around, uh, we've always seen over the years that there'll be some farms with fences all over the place and overgrowing. And some farmers for many years, even before uh, any wards were, were available or the prestige of having them, um, but like to keep their hedges neat and tidy, yeah. isn't it? Well, most of it, so your neighbours can't see it and uh, <laughs> Start giving you abuse, or that, that's the, that's my case anyway. Well, Michael Convig, uh, you and your, your family have... Uh, been highly commended in the award ceremony today. Um, listening to the to the speeches today and uh, the awards and what the judges are saying about the winners. Um, I mean, it must be nice to be part of it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my granddad has done. George has done a lot on our farm for the past probably 30, 40 years with conservation down by the river, and um, yeah, he's he's played a big part in that. And then we run the main dairy herd. A lot
0: of the people think that uh, because of the schemes that's introduced now, with, um, farmers have been told to tidy up sort of. I think this is the public perception of it. But I mean, when, when you say things like that, you know, and George um, taking this back 30 or 40 years, it, it's it's not something new, is it?
3: No, no, we've been doing it for a long time on the farm. And it's always nice to have that way of working alongside the agricultural side I mean we've got the busy areas of the farm where we're grazing and then there's the lower areas which are the harder places to get to down by the river which the animals can thrive in And, and we rotational strip graze so and we move around on a 21 day cycle so I mean wildlife's got a chance to move around the farm itself and there's some there's hay meadows as well, which they've got, they can escape to as well.
0: Yeah. Let's get a chat with uh, the deaf minister, Claire Barber. Um, great to see her at these awards today. And the Isle of Man farm and community and uh, the wildlife have gone hand in hand by the sound of it, and in good hands.
4: Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, if I want to know what, what birds uh, make which noises or, <laughs> or where to find different insects and, and wildlife, the farmers are absolutely the fount of all knowledge, I find. Um, and as you say, they're, the guardi- they're custodians, guardians of our land. And when we think of the Isle of Man, I think certainly from my childhood uh, coming here on holiday, it was the, the rolling fields and, you know, the beautiful nature that was the thing that really stuck in my memory indelibly uh, printed. And that's the, the thing I see now when I go out and see, talk to farmers, spend time on the farm and actually, you see just the amount of work that goes into making everything looking that pristine. Because it's not just as simple as I think sometimes, certainly as children maybe we think, um, but there's just so much that goes into farming, whether it be land management, flood risk management, the hedgerow management, the actual crop management, obviously nutrient soil management, all of those things that come together to then make sure they're producing some of what I absolutely uh, know to be the best food in the world so many of the farmers I've spoken to this is how they've been farming for generations and yet they're still you know learning from other learning from each other uh, sharing that knowledge and opportunities such as this I think you know, allow that even further and we heard from Rob Poole talking about some of the things he'd seen on other farms you know and he's out there judging this year because he won last year and he'll be going on to represent the Isle of Man for the Silver Lapwing uh, Award as well which is an absolute you know, brilliant success story for us um, and seeing the Isle of Man and the and amazing work of our farmers that we know is there and is happening all the time but now showcased across the united kingdom as well where they can then see that and start to realize that actually maybe they should all come over here and have a little look at what our guys are doing because you know the teams we have out on the farms in the isle of man really must be celebrated
0: ian parsons president of the nfu great to see you here today um a good education for everyone
5: yeah it's really good to just see how Nature and active farming go hand in hand together. They don't have to be two separate things. It's, you know, the the businesses we saw here on display today are producing food and looking after our environment whilst producing food. I I think we have to sort of take it a step back though and champion the fact of what our agricultural industry does deliver here. Um, I think we're in, you know, a really good place with our environmental schemes and how we are with our wildlife, our biosphere status. And an awful lot of that is delivered off the back of what the agricultural industry does got to be proud of what we do have yeah. are we still in a good position um agriculturally uh, i wouldn't say we're in a good position at the moment i think um certainly while i've been involved in the job it's probably the most challenging it's it's been and um, i think it's the first time i've ever known when all sectors are probably feeling the strain the you know knock on effects of Increased costs of production, you know, increased energy costs. It's, it's, you know, like many household, it's having an effect. It's having an effect on these businesses too. But, um, yeah, we, you know, we could do with a little bit more support off government for, for you, you know, they're the biggest feeder of people every day. And I'd like to see them use more Manx produce, more stuff that's produced on the Isle of Man. We need to sort of realise that we need to look after our food security or food sovereignty because
0: if we lose it, it'll be gone. Yeah. Well, let's get a word with uh, Colin Kelly, uh, Ballashamrock Farm. Um, you and your family, uh, I suppose you've been involved for uh, no. quite a number of years, all Colin, life, now. but uh, life
6: and I'm 76, <laughs> <something like>
0: <laughs> It's no. been handed down a little bit now, though, to oh, the, well, the daughter I, and son-in-law. I take a back
6: seat now, and David Collister has uh, run the show. Yeah, so I'm mainly milking cows now. Uh, I don't know how many cows you've got, have we? Two or three hundred, or something. <laughs> yeah, it takes a while to milk them all. But we grow uh, a few crops, mainly barley and uh, kale. And but the farm's mostly grass, mostly grassland. And we're right on the on the east coast, so we have uh, a lot of wild birds from coming off the uh, off the uh, choughs, and um, uh, all sorts. Really, yeah.
0: Mm. But it it was nice to to have mentioned the the, the like the uh, the The protection against erosion that they're they're trying to do on the farm and the yeah. and the, the the methane capture well
6: <laughs> there was a chap came over from uh, balaman who who have come up with a proposal to um cover slurry tanks and capture the gas coming off and uh, use it as a fuel for the farm tractors so i I think there's a, maybe a couple of farms in. Southwest doing it and maybe Northern Ireland but um, I don't think anyone on the Isle of Man does it yet but um, we might be interested in that but the capital cost of setting up is uh, is horrendous but um, we'll have to find fuel from somewhere.
0: Well, Rob Cool and uh, brother David from Malagon Farm down the south of the island uh, here speaking today and judging this year's awards uh, just reflect on what it was like last year when you got awarded the bronze chuff.
7: Um, well, it was obviously a surprise last year to have won it, and we were delighted to have done so. And uh, just hope we've continued the good work throughout the year, and obviously to take it forward to the UK judging next year. Now that's quite a challenge for us as a farm. So uh, yeah, yeah, just just clarify what, what happened with that. So. Um, well, we were um, we were judged over the criteria via a Zoom call, and uh, we it was decided that. We would, we would fall within the criteria to be considered further along the awards and the, the judges are now coming over to the island to see our farm and hopefully now they'll see this year's winner as well and they'll go forward into the UK judging for consideration for the UK, UK wide um, competition so hopefully a good thing for the island overall I definitely think the island holds its own as far as wildlife and conservation go. And it's just going to be nice to challenge ourselves against these larger farms and larger operations in the UK. So hopefully we can do the island justice going forward. And
0: as the judge in... um... Were you, were you given the criteria to, to what to look for, or you sort of knew it all from, from when you were taking
7: part in it? Uh, no, there was, there was 10 or 12 criteria which we were asked to judge the competition by, and sometimes it is difficult to fit separate enterprises into some of these criteria. That are, uh, Some of them are production-based and some of them are wildlife-based, but as an overall, um, you know, it's, it's quite a fair, fair criteria that the competition's judged by. There was massive diversity across all six farms we were asked to judge and definitely no two of them are the same. And I think that's true for most farms on the island. There are no two operations that are the same. And a lot of it is down to them managing their own areas to the best of their knowledge and to the best of their experience. And, you know, there's a wonderful diversity of wildlife and fungi, fauna, whatever. There's so much I've seen over the two days of judging that even knowing some of the businesses, once you got further into the farms and seen more of it, there was really so much to see. And, you know, hopefully that can be further, you know, more people can get out on these farms and see that, and it's a good thing for agriculture.
0: Well, the Small Farm Award winner went to uh, Jenny and Rawdon. Uh, Many congratulations from Balakushnahan and Patrick. uh, how does it feel to win an award like this?
8: Absolutely amazing. Um, when we came, I said to Broaden, I'd be well happy if we get highly commended. <laughs> Didn't expect to win.
9: I'm very proud that uh, uh, I think what we're doing has been recognised. Uh, and all the, I have to say all the other farmers, uh, yes. it's been recognised. It's uh, really especially good, particularly on this beautiful island. Um, and, and that is actually the takeaway of this. It's actually, we're the winners, but actually all the farmers are winners.
0: Mm-hmm. It seems, uh, when listening to it, it, it seems a, a tricky
8: area where your farm is to manage, is it? Well, we've got from river floodplain to just below the mountain. So, yeah, we've got different types of terrain, but Locton's are ideally suited to that but our passion is also what we can do, work with nature. And Locktons lend themselves to that. Farming's changed so much since the Second World War, and to the detriment of all wildlife. Species have declined 85, 90%. We can't keep ignoring that. I think everyone has to do something. Otherwise we're going to have a pretty sterile environment with no plants or wildlife. We had no idea what some people were doing. Because you only seem to know what's going on on your farm or your neighbours.
9: Yeah, we are in a bit of a bubble sometimes. Um, you know, you, you get yeah. a little bit landlocked, so to speak. Uh,
8: it was lovely hearing what other people are doing.
0: Yeah. Got some ideas from it all?
8: Oh, oh gosh, <laughs> we've always got ideas. We yeah. just don't have the money to put them into...
9: <laughs> <But it's laughs> to bring also, them all to Also we get uh, a huge amount, not just on the island, but a huge amount from um, uh, travels that we do with, with our wool-related business uh, around the North Atlantic from Gotland this year and uh, the European wool association and talking to what other farmers are doing and what they're encountering. We're all encountering the same problems, but they're tackling things in slightly different ways, which makes us think at the same time, oh, I wonder if we can do something here for ourselves on their model. Um, And one thing we've started is, which some farms are doing in Europe, is their own charcuterie. So we're now just starting to do our own charcuterie on our farm. So it's diversification. That's what it's all about.
0: Well, many, many congratulations. Proudly holding that uh, Chuff Trophy Award. Congratulations <laughs> to you we'll both. we'll
8: take Thank a you. photo of it out <laughs> with the sheep.
0: Anna Karouche from Ballafail Farm, you and your family, congratulations. You've come away with the Bronze Chuff Award. How does that feel?
10: Really nice, really good surprise actually because there's some strong competition and um, yeah, nice to have taken part and uh, a nice bonus to be winners and to have uh, the bronze chuff to take home.
0: They spoke about uh, you, you've had to change your operations on the farm slightly and adapt to things and has that helped with the sort of biodiversity side of it as well?
10: I think um, we've always, we're have always very lucky that we're on the coast, we've got some quite unusual habitat and we've also got some wet land that grows a lot of orchids. And I think the difference is that my health has forced me to slow down and notice what's always been there and, and kind of think, well, how can we work with that? For example, we've got um, a, what we call a couric or a gary, a wet field. We've decided to um, fully protect that field and um, we'll cut it later for hay to give the orchids more chance. Um, and other things like we, we have uh, coastal brews, um, we have chuffs there and curlew, and I've realized the importance of grazing that ground. Um, and the judges actually pointed out that when you look around, a lot of the coast has just been swamped with bracken, but because we're grazing through the winter, We're keeping that under control, and we've got this um, quite unusual habitat of ant hills, which need the ground kept open, and the chuffs need it open for feeding, so keeping the bracken under control is really important. So we make use of the coastal ground. We shut that off in the summer for the birds, and then just last week, actually, we've opened the gates, and we can let them in to graze right down to the sea. Um, And we also grow some green crop, Um, so stubble turnips, rape, kale, and that's actually a really good habitat butterflies love it um, it's always full of linnets, and then we get the benefit of grazing that and we put lots of muck back onto the soil whilst we graze it and we're hoping this year that we won't need to buy any imported feed
0: the swallows were mentioned as well the swallow holes was it
10: yeah i must mention uh, sir rach is my helper uh, day to day and her partner paul he built a new shed door and then at the last minute we realized the swallows there was a late hatch in there so he put this nice neat hole in and um, when the judges arrived the the swallows were sweeping in and out of there
0: well uh, by the sound of it though anna um, your farm had everything that uh, the judges were looking for this year.
10: Yeah, we're very lucky. I think it's just a case of um, taking a look at what you have got and, and just work with it to make sure that you keep it as it is or even improve it if you can. And there's lots of ways that we can do that without with, we'll top 700 uses this year. So we're, we're definitely commercial and it's just fitting that in around the commercial side of farming just listening to the, the judges and what they had to say, I think there's lots of different habitat and, and possibly things other things that we could do, like um, wetland creation is something that we could possibly think about a bit more.
0: Well, many congratulations to you and your family and all the team that work with you. Thank you. you. It's, a, it's a great honour to see you all and a well-deserved award. Well Thank done. Thank
10: you very much. Thank you.
0: Steve Wicks from Jackson's. Uh, How does it feel to have the car showroom? full of uh, what was going on today. Farmers. <laughs> yeah. our
11: second year in a row, and last year they didn't scare us off. So No, it was fantastic. It's, uh, we were really, really proud to sponsor the farming, uh, the Wildlife Advisory Group Chuff Trophy for the second year. And, you know, maybe we don't stock all the cars that farmers would want here. We haven't got 20 mm-hmm. year old Land Rovers. But the main reason for us doing this is just to recognize the amount of uh, the, the work that the farming community do for our island. You know, we all drive around it in our cars, we look at it, we, we love the island and we don't realise that over 70% of the, of the land that we look and admire is actually managed by the farming community. So I think they really are the unsung heroes of the island and it's really important that they're recognised and, and that's why we do this and that's why we hold it here and Paul and Hill Fletcher who, who organise it all every year. You can't say no to them for a start, you really can't. But um, aside from that, no, it's an absolute pleasure and all all of us at Jacksons are delighted to uh, sponsor this. Well, Paul Fletcher, you're the chairman of the
0: Farming and Wildlife Advisory Group. Absolutely, we sorted the weather out so we could get
12: a good attendance of farmers along as well, Simon. But that won't please the ones that are out there trying to do the drilling. I was talking to one of the other uh, entrants uh, that on a different day, any one of the people that were judged... Could have been the winner, but there's so much to be seen, so much good practice out, out there, uh, and the enthusiasm of, of each, each person. But when you see them on the, on, on the yard, on the street, on their own farmstead, they're so humble, they're so private, and to them it's just what's there every day. I mean, George Ratcliffe was here today, he's probably one of the, the most senior members of FAG. Of he was the, the first treasurer when it was formed in the mm-hmm. late 80s. Yeah. So I mean we're talking about 30, 30 to 40 years ago since the organisation started, but as they, they were perhaps ahead of their time in a, in a sense. When uh, Liz, Liz was out doing a biodiversity study, she actually found another rare plant, farmland weed, some of us might call it, uh, that was extinct on the Alaman and she actually found it growing out out Jerby West.
0: Thanks to Simon Clark for stepping in for me this week and finding out all about the Manx Farm Conservation Challenge. Don't forget this programme is available as a podcast on Manx Radio's website. For now though, I'm Phil Gorn. Go to my on Geyschakrum. Thanks for listening.